you please take your copy of the scriptures this morning? Go with me over to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. A special message today on prayer as we are facing so many things ahead of us. Been watching the news, you see some of the things that are happening here in Ohio, and it immediately raises the question for us how should we respond? What should we do? As believers, as those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you and I certainly understand that we have the access to the throne of grace. We have access to be able to pray. And so with that in mind, I'd like for you to look at the encouragement as Daniel, and uh, this is the fourth season of prayer that we'll see here in just a moment in the book of Daniel. But notice as he set his heart to pray and, and long for answers, Look what it says in Daniel 10 and verse 12. Then he, speaking of an angel from the Lord who spoke to him, then he said unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words because of your words. Shall we pause together to pray? Be glorified, Lord. Help us to take heart in this, almighty God, that we as your humble people, feeble, meek before you, that you are glorified when your people pray and we cry out to you. So Lord, help us today to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to let our request be made known to God. Lord, I'm specifically asking this morning that you would grip hearts here and those listening online, that you would grip us with the reality of prayer and that from the first moment, from the first day that we determine to pray, the answer is on the way and that you act because of the words that we pray. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, asking that you would pour out your spirit upon this meeting. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 94, verse 20, verse that I had in devotions this last week, makes a very interesting statement. It talks about those who frame wickedness by law. That is, they codify or put into law those things that are wrong, that are wicked. And the psalmist is raising the question there, what do we do in such a situation? This is exactly what we're facing here in Ohio in November. The previous verse in Psalm 94, 19 may be a favorite for many of you. In the the multitude of my thoughts within me, Thy comforts delight my soul. Delight my soul. But what do you do in a situation when there are those who want to frame wickedness by law? 
Those of you who are saying, I'm not exactly sure what we are talking about in November, there is an amendment to our Constitution. Let that sink in. The very document that constitutes our government in this state wants to codify abortion, abortion, wants to put abortion right into law here in this state. And most recently, if you watch the newspaper, also legalized marijuana here in our state. What do we do in a situation like that? Desperate times. Well, that's exactly why we're turning to Daniel chapter 10 this morning, because in desperate times, Daniel the prophet made up his mind to seek the Lord. Dearly beloved, would you make up your mind that you were going to seek the Lord in this time? When he did, the Lord rewarded him, and that's what we just read a few moments ago in verse 12. He, reported, he rewar- rewarded him with a powerful and encouraging message from the very first day that he began to pray. We talked about this during the recent Daniel series when Pastor Rod and I did the tag team preaching through Daniel, and now we're just about finished with Revelation. If I heard him say right the other day that he's going to go back to the book of the Revelation here uh, very shortly, I think maybe even next Sunday. The name Daniel means God is my judge. That name, that God is my judge, reminds every one of us that God is also our judge. He judges us. He will judge us. He is constantly watching us. This is why Hanani, the prophet, as he was trying to comfort Asa about an invasion that was happening there, he said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him or whose heart is loyal toward him. You and I know this from Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8, but have you thought about it recently? The prayer of the upright is his delight. He delights in our prayers. The Lord is even now not even not just merely commanding you to pray, but he delights in your prayers. He longs to hear from you. So we have these really powerful encouragements, and we're asking ourselves now that we are facing this situation here in Ohio, what should we do? The really interesting thing that you can do is go back and study the history of revivals, not only in this country, but also in Great Britain. You can see it, for instance, in the way the Lord worked in the Welsh revival. That's about 1904. Various accounts have been given about how they were awakened, but this much is really clear that F.B. Meyer, who was a very well-known Bible teacher at the time, was speaking there in the area, probably at the Bible college where Evan Roberts, who was a former coal miner, was a student. And here's what F.B. Meyer asked as they met together in 1903. He said, would you be willing to pledge or make a commitment that you would spend a whole day every month praying for revival? Would it be worth it to you to spend a whole day every month praying for revival. Now, during the Kentucky revivals, the amazing things that happened there, James McGrady, the Presbyterian evangelist, here's the way he he framed it for the churches there. He said, would you be willing to fast and pray on the third Saturday of each month? Would you be willing to pray and ask the Lord to pour out his spirit? Dear friends, one year later, that's exactly what happened. 
the amazing number of people who were saved on the Kentucky campgrounds, at that time a pioneer area, the number of people who were saved as a direct result because the Lord poured out his spirit. So let me ask you this question. Would it be worth it to you to make up your mind that you say, I'm, I'm going to do this. Now, careful, if you're under a doctor's orders and the doctor says, hey, you know, fasting is not something you want to be doing, understood. Uh, Daniel here, in Daniel chapter 10, if you read it carefully, it says down in verse 3, I ate no pleasant bread, I ate no pleasant food. I think that means oatmeal with nothing on it, but I'm not sure. But at the very least, it it was only enough just to subsist on, just enough to get by on, enough to keep body and soul together. He wasn't using food for entertainment, in essence. But he made up his mind that he was going to set aside his pleasant food there. He, He makes the note, I think it was for three whole weeks. Would it be worth it to you to give yourself to a day of prayer? To say, take the third Saturday of each month and say, I'm going to pray and fast and ask the Lord to pour out his spirit on our congregation, on our county, on the state of Ohio, on this country. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm desperate. I really want to see that happen. Would it be worth it to you to spend 12 Saturdays as they did in Kentucky, one Saturday each month? Would it be worth it to you to spend 12 Saturdays if the Lord granted an outpouring of his spirit in mighty revival, would it have been worth those waking hours where you set aside pleasant food or you set aside food for entertainment or set aside food altogether to just pray and ask the Lord to pour out his spirit in a mighty way? It happened during the Welch Revival. God sent a revival to Wales, an amazing outpouring of his spirit where thousands of people came to know the Lord. This has happened when God's people made up their minds to pray, and it's especially important to remember right now because we are in a spiritual crisis. Earlier, before the Kentucky revivals, but pretty close to the same time, we're talking about 1794, here's what people knew. They knew just how bad the country had become. May I say it to you this way? I know this may astound you. There have been times in this country where it has been worse morally and spiritually, worse than it is now. I would have to say we seem to be racing down to the bottom to that same place, but there have been times where it's been worse than it is now. What did people do? I found a very interesting circular letter. It came out of 1794, the South Carolina Bethel Baptist Association. And here's what it said. It's there in your manuscript if you'd like to read it. It raised the question, if we live in disobedience, if we backslide in heart and depart from God, Will he not chastise us with a rod of blindness and barrenness? Can we expect anything but a declension? 
Is it not owing to such conduct that our congregations from year to year complain of coldness and deadness? The truth is, we do not cry to him with sufficient fervency and zeal. We do not plead the promises with sufficient faith. We are too much at our ease. We see cause for lamentation, but we do not lament. It will not be better with us until we alter our conduct and reform our lives. I want to raise the same question with you that I have raised before. When you remember the story of that storm that pounded the ship that was in the Mediterranean, and the people on board began to despair of their very lives because that storm was so vehement. Did that storm come on that ship because of the paganism of those mariners or because of the disobedience of the prophet Jonah? Dear friends, listen to me now. Listen to me. You and I have to be sure about this. It may be that in the long march of God's prophecy, this is ordained by God and this is all leading to ultimately, the Lord returning very soon. That certainly could be. But here's what you and I need to be sure of before we stand to the judgment seat. We need to be sure that the life-threatening storms that we are going through morally and spiritually and politically and economically, we need to be sure that those are not because of believers' disobedience. You say, Pastor, would the Lord do such a thing? He did so repeatedly in Israel. He certainly did it with the prophet Jonah. But you, you see, there's hope in that, though. If what is happening around us, these squalls and, and this perverseness that you read about, and how, how twisted and perverse all of this is, what if the Lord is actually showing you and me that he is waiting for us to draw near to God. He, he is waiting for us to do what he has asked us to do. In the spiritual warfare passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where he talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God of the pulling down of strongholds. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 10, 6. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Your friends, wouldn't you love to see the Lord deal with the disobedience that's happening all over this nation, the perverseness, and what's happening to our children? Wouldn't you love to see the Lord deal with that? Here's the, here's the principle, 2 Corinthians 10, 6. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's what they were capitalizing on in that section there in South Carolina in 1794. So let's raise the question for all of us. How would we go about this? How would we apply our hearts to the simple message that God hears our prayers and begins to act upon them, in the words of Daniel 10 verse 12, from the first day? From the first day that you begin to pray, 
There are four seasons. You can see them listed here in your manuscript. Four seasons in the book of Daniel of prevailing prayer. Daniel chapter 2. Remember when Daniel and his friends, it was a life-threatening situation. Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill them all with all the wise men. Do you remember what Daniel and his friends did? Daniel chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. They had a time of group prayer, corporate prayer, where they prayed that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven. And the Lord answered them. And when they did, Daniel blessed the God of heaven. That little prayer group of those men delivered probably hundreds of people from certain death. That's what happens when people pray. There was a second time, a second time of prevailing prayer. On another occasion, this time Daniel faced it all alone in Daniel chapter 6. Do you remember the story of Daniel and the lion's den? And the king had unwisely declared that it was politically incorrect to pray to anybody but him. He had been coerced or deceived into doing this. Thought it seemed like a good idea at the time. Terrible idea. Here's what it says that they said, don't pray. Don't pray to anybody but the king. What did Daniel do? Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, remember what I said a few moments ago about Psalm 94, verse 20, those who who frame wickedness by law, they frame it by a statute. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees to pray three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. Daniel was basically saying, it doesn't matter if it's against the law to pray to God. I'm going to pray. Could you and I do the same thing using that passage, using Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, enter into your closet to cry out to the Lord. Of course, the Lord did deliver him in that time of private prayer. First of all, you have a time of corporate prayer, group prayer together, then of private prayer. There's a third season, and this is the most uh, detailed that we have, Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel made up his mind he really wanted to intercede for his nation. Why? He had, he had read in the book of Jeremiah that the 70 years was almost up of their captivity. They were in captivity 770 miles away from Israel. And Daniel realized, hey, we're getting ready to be delivered. And so he began to cry out to the Lord. That's recorded in Daniel chapter 9. It says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Do you see how Daniel sought the Lord? I'm raising the question again. Could you and I do the same? Would you be willing to set aside a meal time just to pray? Would you be willing to set aside a day of fasting and prayer if the end result would be that the Lord would, fill, would fulfill all this and he would do a mighty work? We have scheduled Dr. Les Olala to be with us November 5 through 12. We had him here for a 10-day meeting many years ago, and leading up to that, what we did was we devoted ourselves to times of prayer. I I remember this auditorium. There would be 20, 30 men in this auditorium praying, crying out to the Lord. And folks, the Lord did some of the most amazing things in those 10-day meetings that we are still reaping the benefits for today. Would you be willing to ask the Lord to do it again? Today at 5 o'clock, 
I'll be here. I'll be here in Spurgeon Hall. If you would like to come and just pray, just, just get down and just pray that the Lord would once again do a mighty work. Come join us Wednesday evening. We'll pray. But this is how God's people respond, even when they feel that things are hopeless and helpless. I, I have talked to pastors. I have talked to pastors of congregations who've already given up. Who've already given up. They've said, well, it's going to happen. <laughs> Folks, it doesn't have to be that way. You and I need to honor God by obeying his commands and clinging to his promises and begging the Lord for genuine revival. We come to the fourth season there. This is the passage we read a few moments ago. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh or wine into my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Do you see Daniel's persistent prayer here? And that's when the Lord began to answer. He doesn't know that at the time. But that's when the Lord began to answer. Three whole weeks he gave himself to it. And then the Lord began to tell him, from the first day that you devoted your heart to pray, from the very first moment, we might say today, that's when the Lord began to answer. You ever get frustrated with the fact that things just don't seem to be working right away? Our, uh, we had a, an evangelistic activity this last Sunday. By the way, a quarter of the people who were here were, do not have church homes. And, I, and I've already heard again this morning a testimony of how someone has met three times this week with somebody who was there, that they just met at the activity. It was a tremendous activity. Our evangelist or missionary who spoke for that was Dr. Jan Milton. The next morning, uh, I needed to move his car. And I said, can I just use your keys? I'll run out there and move your car. And he said, great. And so I went out there. He said, it's the kind with the, the push button on the dash to start it up. I said, great. I've driven those kind of cars before. So I went out there, had the key fob, turned it on, uh, pushed the button, and uh, it, the display came up. I thought, okay, we're good. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear a sound of an engine. I'm like, okay, what do I do? I pushed the button again. The whole thing went off. Pushed it again, it all came on. No engine sound. I tried two or three things, and I thought, okay, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. Maybe it has to have my my thumbprint on it or something like that. I went inside to Jan. I said, Jan, I can't figure out why I can't start your car. Well, some of you have already figured this out, but his car was a hybrid. And because it was a hybrid, you've heard those hybrids where they pull up to the stop sign or the stoplight, and it's like it goes completely off, and there's no sound whatsoever until you push the accelerator and they start forward again. That's the kind of car he had, and I didn't know it. If I had put my foot on the gas, or if I'd put it in gear, I would have heard the engine come on. But because I wasn't seeing anything happening, I gave up, went back inside, said, I can't start your car. What if the Lord is doing exactly the same thing with us right now? You pray. You're crying out to the Lord. You're praying. You're begging the Lord. Lord, would you do a mighty work? But you're saying, I'm not seeing any results. 
Will you give up like I did when I couldn't start his car? Or will you in faith take hold of the promises of God where you know that those who ask will receive and those who seek will find and those who knock it shall be open to them? Would you devote yourself to prayer that way with a full knowledge that the Lord will work? Now, take a look, if you will, at Daniel chapter 10, and let's talk about verses 12 through 13 as we start to wind down here. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. All right, let's raise the question. Why was there a delay? He goes on to say in verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. It's an angel who's speaking and he speaks about the assistance of Michael, the archangel. Who do you think they were doing battle against? They were doing battle against demons against the dark angels. Now catch this. There is spiritual warfare going on all around us constantly. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about this. Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. If you're having a hard time this morning paying attention to the message, there's a reason for that. Those dark forces, those dark angels do not want you to pay attention to the preaching and teaching of God's word, either now or in your Sunday school class. They they just want you to ignore it, to set it aside completely. But as Daniel began to pray, he entered into spiritual warfare. Question, why is it so hard to pray? Have you not noticed that? You say, Yeah, I try to pray, and man, it is like so hard. Has it dawned on you that you are engaged in spiritual warfare? Has it dawned on you that the Lord loves to hear from his meek children who make requests to him? And if we ask for fish, he will not give us a serpent. And if we ask for bread, he will not give us a stone. Has it occurred to you that he is longing to hear from you and that the prayer of the upright is his delight? But Satan and the demons hate that and will do everything in their power to get you to stop. I'll give you a test on this. Try this out. Take this morning's message and say, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'm I'm going to do that. And whether it is tomorrow morning or each day, I'm going to say, you know, 10 minutes of prayer, 15 minutes of prayer. You might say half an hour of prayer. Some of you here say, I'm going to pray for an hour. I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to pray for an hour. You watch and see if some of the strangest things don't happen in your life and around your house. And some of the kookiest things just seem to break loose. And you will know it was because you devoted yourself to prayer. I do not know how many times that's happened to me. And many of you in this room could say, yep, 
That's exactly the way it is. Same thing in any other area of obedience to the Lord. You start making up your mind, I am going to meditate. I'm going to pray. I'm going to honor the Lord by sharing the gospel with others. You watch and see if the the powers of Satan do not just rail against you. So this angel is telling Daniel, Daniel, from the first day, see those significant phrases there, from the first day that Daniel set his heart to understand, God heard him. You could set your heart on this same certainty. You can know that God hears your prayers from the very first day that you begin to pray. And here's the encouragement. The angel says, I have come because of your words. Look, when we get to heaven and and the Lord is showing us everything that happened, can you just see what it would be like for the Lord to turn to you and say, I did that because of your words. Lord, my words, yes, you asked me to do this, and I did it. Can you just imagine the powerful encouragement that would be? I have come because of your words. The Apostle John wrote, now this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. But there's that spiritual warfare. But the princes of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Please make no mistake that prayer is spiritual warfare. This is the unseen battle behind current events. You may be asking, Pastor, why are these people both here in our country and if you've been reading the news from outside the country who put so many millions into this last ballot issue in August. People from Switzerland put money into defeating that. What's behind all that? According to scripture, the spiritual warfare is the unseen force behind everything that's going on here. All right, here's the question. Could you and I make up our minds that we're going to enter into that spiritual warfare? And be like Daniel and know that the Lord is going to hear us and not quench the spirit of God, but cry out to him and ask for his mighty work. A.B. Simpson put it this way. Many of our battles are fought in view of heaven alone. Have you not felt, beloved, in some quiet hour in the secret of your closet that you were going through a decisive battle which no other mortal saw? Within the silent walls of your chamber, an issue was being decided, which would affect all eternity. So I'm asking, would you be willing to set your heart to pray with the knowledge that from the first day, the Lord is beginning to answer you? And that he will come for your words, and that what you're actually entering into is spiritual warfare. As you pray for our congregation, for these special meetings that we've mentioned, November 5 through 12, for our country, for Ohio, it's one of the greatest privileges we have. And just think about what it will be like when the Lord says, I have come for your words. It may be this morning that I'm speaking to someone who who would say, 
Pastor, I have no idea what you're really talking about here. It may be because you have never come to know the Lord this way. By recognizing that Jesus Christ did indeed die for our sins as your substitute, as my substitute on the cross of Calvary. And running to him and embracing him as Lord, as the one who died for your sins and rose again to prove his power over death. The Bible assures us that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And dear friend, if you come to know the Lord that way, you could enter into the special forces of spiritual warfare. You could be mightily used to make a significant difference in the society around us from the first day. Shall we pray together? Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the remarkable grace of God that is poured out upon us and the way we can understand this from the book of Daniel and so many other passages. Lord, be glorified, I pray. Help us to honor you with our whole being. Help us to be very specific about setting aside times to pray and corporately together at five o'clock today and this Wednesday night. And Lord, whatever it takes for us to cry out to you to be sure that these storms in our society are not coming because of our disobedience. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.